Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is the show that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. Our mission is to help fathers be present by sharing valuable ideas and concepts that will equip men to be the best father possible. Being a good father is hard work, but it is so vitally important. We believe that dads matter, and that's why this podcast is for you. So gear up, dads, and get ready. It's time to start climbing. Welcome to this week's episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Tonight we are talking health and fitness. Ah. So with that, we're going to turn it over to the man, the myth, the legend, Quadzilla himself, <laughs> Dustin. Let's uh, let's rearrange you here. You should be up on top. Oh, right. going to the top. I like Take it. Take it away, my man. Health and I just, fitness. I just climbed that mountain of fatherhood, gentlemen. No, you, you just did. <laughs> you just threw me off of it. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, so real quick, um, we uh, are so excited because in a couple of weeks we have a big speaker coming on. We'll tease it a little bit and then we'll finally tell you, you know, at the end. But um, uh, we could thank Brandon for just uh, having those smooth talking skills. I, I couldn't believe yes. you pulled it off, but uh, it's going to be an incredible episode. Um, definitely not one you want to miss. Um, so congrats on that. Yeah, we've, um, we've all determined that Brandon is in the wrong line of work. He should be uh, <laughs> a, a new salesman, a pitch man for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Um, anyway, great, great job. Very impressive. Um, so uh, my life was all about fitness um, for about uh, 15 years. Um, I was a personal trainer, uh, tennis pro. Um, I actually have a couple of pro points. I won a tournament down in Jamaica. That's the only, <laughs> only time I ever uh, pulled that one off. Um, nice. So I uh, have certifications with uh, CSCS, NASM, um, AACE, a few other ones. Um, yeah. And uh, I was a trainer for a long time. Absolutely loved it. Um, develop long-term relationships, um, friendships that I still have. Um, and, uh, I miss it like crazy. I, I love doing anesthesia, but, uh, there's just really nothing like it. Um, so, you know, we, uh, thought about talking about fitness. Uh, that was definitely, um, something I, got, I was really excited about. Um, so as far as some of the topics we'll cover, um, we'll talk about, uh, you know, some of the best exercises to do. Um, George and I were talking about this earlier. Um, the best workout you do is the one you will continue doing. Um, you can talk about optimization, you know, ideal exercises all day, but if you're not enjoying them and you don't do it, there's really no point, um, because you actually have to get the work done and, uh, you know, everyone's a little bit different with that. Um, uh, I had a client, um, who was all about weight loss, all about, uh, cardio, you know, that's what you have to do. So I put him on a treadmill, did cardio with him for months and he was miserable. I hate this. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if I wasn't paying you, I would walk off, you know, you're, you're a terrible human being, you're miserable, you know, blah, blah. And I said, Oh, you know, Hey, you're paying me to say that. So whatever you need to say, <laughs> you know, I got it. Absolutely hated it. And, uh, we walked by the weight room one day and he saw a guy doing back squats, bunch of weight, 400 pounds. Right. And he said, that's dumb. Why would anyone do that? And I said, yeah, that's super dumb. It's, <laughs> you know, and he kept talking about it and talking about it and saying, you know, what, what's the deal with that? And I finally said, well, try it if you want. 
And uh, we put a couple pounds on him. He did a few reps and he said, this was really cool. I'm going to keep doing this. We didn't do a single session of cardio after that. Got him into lifting. Nice. Uh, really loved it. He's, you know, doing fantastic now, still working out to this day. And uh, that's what he wanted. You know, was, um, he's, he loves powerlifting. Um, so, you know, finding what's right for you is, is really the key. Everyone wants something a little bit different. Some people need a team. Some people need a group. Other people are uh, solo animals. You know, they only want to work out alone. Um, so you really have to find that for yourself and try out you know, all those different things. Um, one thing, uh, you know, I did notice as a trainer, um, was most of the results that we got at some point regressed to the mean, um, meaning we do great for a couple months, lose some weight, put on some muscle, um, you know, make some ha habit changes. And invariably that, that four to six month period, um, you get a little bored with it. It's not as exciting. And, uh, the progress would uh, slow down or go back the other direction. Um, and I just kind of knew that going in and I'd tell people up front, Hey, just so you know, you know, it's April now by December, you're going to be bored with this. You're going to want to switch. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about um, what we need to do at that point. And, uh, you know, some of them never, unfortunately, you know, came, made those permanent, uh, you know, progress changes and then others did. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges with exercise is it, it is 100% a marathon, not a sprint. Um, yep. and I'm a power animal. I love to sprint, not really a big marathon guy. <laughs> you know, So, um, I love to make those quick results, you know, and, um, and yeah, I'm hearing that as well. Um, so, uh, there it is. Perfect. Um, so the, uh, you know, the real challenge here is staying excited, um, staying disciplined, staying motivated. And, um, you know, with a lot of things in life, whether it's uh, your finances, your marriage, you know, your children, um, having that endurance, you know, to, uh, to keep it going is, is really one of the keys to it. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, when I was a trainer, I'd have dads come in and they would say, man, it is so hard to make time for this. Um, you know, I'm struggling to eat well, all of that. And, uh, you know, I said, what, what are you talking about? You know, there's always time. This is easy. You know, and I was at the gym 14 hours a day. So what did I know? And then, you know, became a dad, have a full-time job. That's not exercise. And lo and behold, it is so hard <laughs> to find time for exercise because you do, yeah. you feel a little oh, bit guilty. You know, you feel like you're taking time away from your kids, from your wife. And, you know, we talked about that in a previous episode, but uh, if you're not you and you're not able to perform at the level you need to perform at, um, you can't be the best dad that you can be. And uh, for every, you know, half hour to an hour, um, you know, that you take to take that time for your exercise, for your mental health, for your physical health, all of that, oh. that'll pay dividends. Um, and it makes everything easier, um, as a dad. So, uh, absolutely worth it. Um, George and I are going to post a couple of videos, um, targeted towards a dad who doesn't really have much of an exercise background, um, and doesn't have any equipment at home. You know, maybe you're living in an apartment, um, your budget's a little bit low. You don't necessarily have access to a gym. Um, we will give you some stuff that you can do um, that even if you're totally out of shape, totally new to exercise, you can do the stuff we're going to do for you. Um, and if you stick with it, you will be really happy with the results. Um, so one of my favorite things as a trainer, you know, I thought I was going to really enjoy working with top level athletes and, you know, people who were already kicking butt. That wasn't the case at all. The greatest joy that I got was uh, working with people who were relatively new to exercise and maybe they were 40 or 50 years old, a little overweight and uh, you know, getting them from zero to, to making progress was, was a super satisfying thing. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that was a surprise for me as a trainer was saying it wasn't the high level athletes at all. They were fun, you know, don't get me wrong, but, um, mm -hmm. it was, it was my newer people, uh, who just needed to, to get started, uh, who were really, you know, the most fun to work with. Um, 
And uh, so, what, like I said, uh, George and I will make sure to um, have a couple of those videos set up for you. And um, if you have any uh, specific questions, um, of course, this is not uh, medical advice. Um, you know, if you have any uh, medical conditions or um, any anything you need to, uh, you know, make sure you consult your uh, your doctor. Uh, before you start an exercise program. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as um, just some dads talking, uh, I'm more than happy to uh, provide you guys some advice um, to uh, maybe help, you know, make some tweaks. Um, that being said, you know, I'm not a physical therapist. So, you know, if you have a major injury, um, all I can do is show you how to work around it. I can't necessarily, you know, fix it for you. Um, so uh, we'll get that going. And um, I'm going to kind of uh, send it to you guys. Um, Justin, what's, uh, what's your favorite type of exercise? You a cardio guy, you a sports guy, you a uh, weightlifting guy. What, what are your, what are your favorites? I'm balanced, man. Uh, there's days I want to go and I'll hit baseballs at a, you know, local, um, spot and just hit batting cages and just kind of get or I, I play a lot of golf too. So I'll go out to the driving range and hit about 150, 175 balls and just get a good little sweat going on. Cause it's, Oh God, we're down here in the boot in Louisiana. It's, uh, it's miserably hot, you know, 80% humidity and 98 <laughs> degrees. And you're like in a constant sauna. It's fun. Um, move here. They said, enjoy good food. They said, yeah, get fat. Uh, that's about all it's good for. So, uh, but no, it's, it's about balance for me. I, I like activities. Like I, I'm big on sports. Um, just uh, try to avoid the swamp. But, you know, every now and again, but it's it's fun here to run. I, I love running here because uh, if you've never been to Louisiana, Louisiana, the Carolinas, uh, parts of Georgia, like Savannah, they have the uh, the massive old oak trees with the Spanish moss hanging from it. It's absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. So my neighborhood, I'm just lucky enough to live in one of those neighborhoods where the trees kind of have formed over the road. And so I love a good uh, good mile or two um, right after a good intense workout or I'll go three or four if I just feel up to, you know, kind of getting the runner's high. Runner's high is probably my favorite. Uh, it just makes me feel good. Uh, got me out of my anxiety, got me off of uh, medications. I was on Paxil for five years, uh, struggled with depression, struggled with anxiety, severe anxiety, uh, became a hypochondriac at one point, honestly, if I'm just being truthful and uh, running escape me from it and i get you know good music metal country whatever i'm feeling you know the time sometimes beethoven or bach you know so it's like i said I'm a, I'm a music guy my music's my outlet when i'm working out uh whether that be running or lifting i've uh and george and dustin are probably gonna make fun of me this but i actually really enjoyed crossfit because i had a great coach who was like dustin who's trained who knew what he was doing he was a physical uh therapist as well on the side or oh, that's probably i'd say that's his main job he was a trainer on the side but uh he, he didn't push people he didn't put them out of their comfort zone so not a lot of people got hurt in our, our class and uh just the people that were were the people who were just trying to showboat be idiots and you know typical crossfit stuff where you snap a peck or do something like a quad muscle uh you know tearing something there so uh i i really enjoyed lifting power lifting uh circuits but um being in a gym honestly the best shape i ever got in was of all places planet fitness man just go in there, do my thing. Nobody bothered me. A uh, ton of equipment. And then I moved out of that. Now that I'm here in Lafayette, we have the largest gym in North America, uh, Red Laurel. He was an Olymp uh, Olympian, uh, I believe. And uh, I know he was Mr. Olympia for a while, but he's like in his 80s. He still works there. He's, he's super nice guy, but it's massive. I want to say the facility is probably like 160,000 square foot uh, just in one one 
specific area. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Um, they have indoor pool, outdoor pools. They have, you know, you name it, they've got it. So I'm, I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to live in an area like that. So awesome. Nice. So, yeah, I, we'll definitely like get to it later, but I definitely want to circle back later in this episode about how exercise is a really good mental, uh, health thing as well. Uh, it, it's not just about your body, your physical. Body, Absolutely. So. Yeah. Sorry. Absolutely. I just, just wanted to throw no. that in. Please. And we'll talk about it. Yeah. So George, tell us about your, uh, your workout routines. Um, so this is another thing that I know you want to get to as well as, uh, in what stage of life you're in and kind of what your goals, how your goals shift. Um, so I, you know, I played sports my whole life growing up, um, was highly competitive in Taekwondo. Um, so most of my fitness was geared towards that, um, as a, you know, as a kid. Um, I've obviously never been a very big guy. Uh, I'm a, a whopping 165 pounds, five foot nine right now. Hard gainer, uh, hard gainer. I'm a hard gainer, absolutely. I think the biggest in my life, I barely broke 170 when I was deployed, and that's all I did was eat, work out, and fight. So, actomorph. <laughs> it was actomorph. Yeah. Yep. That, so, you know, I've never obviously, you know, uh, massive competitive powerlifting, Mr. Olympia type stuff was never in my future. Um, I, I was heavily sports focused growing up, uh, became a wrestler midway through high school. Um, and then I was active duty army. So, um, ironically, you know, when I think when a lot of people think about like the military, they just assume, Oh, they must be so fit and so healthy and all this kind of stuff, man. Like, so I entered active duty just jacked. Cause all I did was uh, commercial roof uh before before my orders to go active i was a commercial roofer and then i would go to the gym for like two hours every day and when you're 23 and all you do is eat protein and essentially work out nonstop, i mean i had like three percent body fat it was you know i mean like I, not really but you know what i mean just totally yeah. cut to, no, but, no, so I, I really liked lifting um not like power lifting but but um i guess you would technically call it bodybuilding but i i did still have a very functional focus on that you know in my early 20s hit active duty. You got to run a lot. I hate running probably because of the army. Um, <laughs> I loathe running in my free time. There's virtually almost anything else I'd rather do. You're so good at it though, man. Not really. Can I, can I interject really one thing real quick? I am a pretty good runner. I'm a good long distance runner and especially for my size and strength and dust. Uh, George came to Mississippi to visit me and this freaking nature. I'm running probably like eight and a half, nine minute miles for like three or four miles. And it was also he like get, 98 degrees. It was, yes, it was extremely day. hot and, <laughs> and I'm used to it. So I'm used to Mississippi weather. This guy goes out there and by the time I get halfway up to our destination, he's already meeting me on the way back. That was, I was like 23 though. I was getting, I don't care, dude. School. That is was, so fast. You were probably running like fitness I've ever been in in my life. I was going to say you were running at least a six minute mile and yeah, for was, miles, not just one, like yeah. multiple miles. I was like, oh at one point God. I was pretty decent at it. Um, I hate it though. I, I just, nothing about it is enjoyable to me. Uh, I do it because I have to, to pass my fitness test, but, um, no, I, so I strength training has always been the thing that exercise wise, uh, excites me the most. It feels the best to me. Um, I, you know, after, uh, after, uh, you know, a long run, I just feel like crap, <laughs> but after a good, like hard, you know, strength training workout, I'm like, yeah, I'm so big, you know, not really, but <laughs> one can dream. Um, so yeah, strength training has really been my thing for the last decade. Um, unfortunately I got a lot of injuries and a lot of things that's racked up. So I found kind of alternate means of strength training, um, which we can kind of get into, 
Um, but yeah, essentially I use uh, resist resistance bands. I've been doing that now for four plus years, so I've not really touched a weight in that long, and um, still look pretty close to when I looked at my peak in my early 20s. So it's working for me because um, it doesn't aggravate my injuries and. You know, yeah. So that was a really long-winded way of saying I, I love strength training. <laughs> um, I, I do like sports still. Like if we're gonna go play a pickup game of basketball or whatever, um, something like that, I'm all about it. But um, you kind of referenced it earlier, Dustin. I'm, I'm a little bit of the lone wolf because I can just knock it out real quick here behind me, and uh, call it a day and get right back to my, you know, my job if I'm not traveling. So that's, that's awesome. It. Yeah. RP, what do you got for us? Uh, so I was a previous marathon runner. I, uh, I'm the opposite of George. I am absolutely addicted to running, but unfortunately after, Masochist. you know, yeah, <laughs> after a couple of years, it kind of takes its toll on your back and your neck and joints and stuff. And so, uh, that bradycardia and just, I mean, taking in 4,000 calories a day and still losing weight uncontrollably. I just got to the point where I was like, this is more harmful than it's helpful. And my mindset has always been to do exercise for enjoyment and for longevity as far as life's concerned. So uh, for me personally, now that I'm not running, I do a lot of walking. Like I'll do the 12, 3, 30 kind of treadmill routine, which for some of y'all that don't know, that's a 12% incline for three miles. You know, it's, it's something that keeps the heart rate to around 130, 140, but um, it's not too taxing on you. Um, and I, I usually try to do that, you know, 7,500 to, to 10,000 steps kind of target every day. And I'll listen to my audio books when I'm doing it. But uh, other than that, I absolutely love strength training. Uh, I just have to like George, I have to be careful with what and how I do it. Um, just cause I, I don't want to have injury. I've already had a shoulder injury before, so just have to be careful, but yeah, uh, strength and running are for sure. My, my favorites. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, and for me personally, um, I knew uh, when I had my son that I was going to have to give up something. So I did end up giving up uh, tennis. Um, I play a little bit here and there, but nothing competitive. Um, so that was, you know, as far as sports goes, that was my uh, my real passion. Um, now, uh, again, you know, like you guys, I love resistance training. Um, I don't mind running. I'll run a 5K. It just doesn't. I'm like, George, it doesn't make me feel great. I get done and I'm uh, I feel like everything hurts. And I, I don't feel great afterwards. Right? Whereas when I get done, um, you know, with a great weight training session, swinging some kettlebells, doing some yoga, I feel like a million bucks. So I try to mm -hmm. listen to my body. And I think some people running is wonderful for them. For me, it just it doesn't agree with me. I, I don't know why. Um, everyone's yeah, I better not so. ever get around David Goggins. <laughs> yeah, he'd smoke us. That That's man right. will yeah. tear you apart. Oh, Stay hard. Sure. Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's right exactly yeah uh lightweight lightweight ronnie coleman yeah um so uh so my favorite training right now is um, a lot of it's centered around kettlebells uh, i've got five or six different weights of kettlebells um it feels a little bit like uh like a flowing kind of a dance type feeling to uh to weight training right so when i'm pushing weight uh back and forth Thanks for that, uh, Justin. Um, he likes heavy balls, guys. It's, yeah, you know, it's it's what I, it, you know, I'm just putting that out there to the world. That's that's what I like. Um, so if, uh, you know, if I'm lifting heavy weight, it, it feels good, but I definitely notice my joints don't always love it. Um, when I swing kettlebells, uh, it's just easy on the joints. 
Um, it feels like your rhythm has to be right um, to, to get the kind of power that you want. And um, it's just a really satisfying, fun way to work out. Um, so absolutely love doing kettlebells. Um, it's also, uh, you know, for people uh, with knee problems, joint issues, that kind of stuff, um, it yeah. really kind of gets around that issue. So um, that's that's my real passion right now. Um, and uh, you only need one piece of equipment. You know, you don't need um, barbells and dumbbells and all these uh, different kinds of special toys. Um, you know, you can take a kettlebell anywhere and, uh, that that's worked out really well for me. Um, I'm a social animal, uh, with everything, you know, if I had, uh, my way, um, I'd be out, uh, you know, seeing friends all the time. Um, and I'm the same way with exercise. Uh, Justin, you've seen me when I'm at the gym, you know, I'm holding court in there. I want to talk to everybody. Oh you know, it's just God. a fun. So you're the guy I avoid at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I can't stand when I'm like, when you're in the middle of like a set and you're like, especially if it's like one where you're like have a really strict like one minute rest only type yeah. of thing or whatever. Yeah. And someone's like, hey man, how you doing? And you're like, dude, I'm like, I'm not trying to be rude, but like literally in the, give me, give me 10 minutes. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Yep. I'll say this, Dustin will inspire the hell out of you. And there's a reason well, yeah, I called yeah. him Quadzilla. Yeah. I watched this man. So there's a sled and had three of these prongs. Okay. And it was like this and it was, it was triangle shaped. This man put five to six, 45 pound weights on each one of those prongs and had two guys who are 250 pounds stand on it along with me <laughs> That's right. and he pulled it not on a regular floor on carpet oh, at man. a slow trot you're an animal just completely just going like a, like an a horse and so when i watch this i'm like oh my god dude had like horse legs he's got quads that are like just corded and just tree ridiculous trunks. tree yeah. trunks exactly and this is like in his prime before he got soft, you know, and uh, <laughs> why is it got to be like that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, all those cookies kind of got to him. But uh, oh, man. no, he I'm telling you, the man after that, I was like, dude, I got to go lift some. I look like a little biatch. Man. Like, what is going on? <laughs> like, uh, But it was it was it was fun to watch him because, you know, I'm I'm like you, George. I like to be alone. I'm a lone wolf because I get more done. But I like to see other people. <laughs> that's it that that's is right. it right there i like to see other people getting after it because it makes me it brings out the competitive side of me and pushes me further and harder um so like when i was single you know being around a girl specifically that was like really getting it i'm like oh dude I, this girl's like one is she she's pretty two i'm like oh my god she is crushing me right now on this treadmill that's not happening and so I would just get after it, you know, and just try to try to keep up. And there was always that one or one or two like girls or guys that would would be on a treadmill or a certain machine. And they're about my size, you know, or well, not the girls, but the guys. And they're outdoing me. And I'm like, mm. so I just get out there and try even harder. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's fun. It's Dustin's fun to be around because he's he's very uplifting. He's very inspiring. Like, I get it. George is. George just doesn't like most people sometimes. It's not true at all. I'm I'm a highly I'm social kidding, being, but when I'm like on a mission to work out, I want to yeah. do my workout and be over yeah. with it, and then we can, you know, sh you know, shoot the shit or whatever they say, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Brandon had a point, but real quick, um, we'll we'll go to him next. Uh, quick misconception a lot of people have: um, women are actually pound for pound just as strong as men, um, especially in their legs. Uh, the studies are really interesting on it as far as um, how strong women are. Um, I think it's just a cultural thing that we tend to think, okay, men lift weights. So we tend to be a little bit stronger. Women don't. And so um, when you actually allow women to train at the same level as men, 
if you have a 160 pound woman and a 160 pound man, they'll tend to be about equally strong on squats, leg presses, those kinds of things. So it's pretty interesting. We do have a little bit of an advantage as men with upper body strength. We can do a few more pushups, all that kind of thing. But uh, one of the great joys of training women was seeing just how strong they can get and how feminine they stay. There's that classic, you know, oh, I don't want to look like a man if I lift weights. And I would always say, good luck, you know, <laughs> spend 10 right. years lifting as hard as you can. Yeah. You won't, trust me. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, a little aside. So Brandon, you were saying? Oh, you're muted, Brandon. You're muted. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel like um, there's certain things that exercise brings to the table for people's lives. Um, like for me personally, I, I feel like the the creation of the habit uh, creates discipline and and consistency but it also creates like um, really good mental health for me personally so what is it what does exercise bring to the table for you guys that you think would be encouraging for somebody else to go out and hit the gym oh great question yeah so like just, just pick one like yeah, sure, one, sure. one thing I'll, I'll go with the uh it sets a good example route um because it's not just about how you look right it's not it's not like a shallow <clears throat> like oh i need to look like brad pitt type of thing or whatever right i mean it's it's a it's a discipline it's something you have to commit to and be intentional about um and i mean they're outside of how it changes your physical appearance it it changes the health of your organs and you know i mean in a positive mm -hmm. way raises your immune system things like that so um you know it's a it's a worthwhile endeavor to model it for your children to know that at least some form of exercise is something you should include. Um, and especially as you get older in life, maybe it's not strength training at that point, but uh, you know, sure. th there's a lot of elderly people live around me and I notice the ones who seem to be still really healthy, just, you know, they, they don't look like they're frail. They walk mm -hmm. every morning. I see him every morning walking like one guy. He, I mean, he, he's gotta be 85 plus and he's just getting after it every morning. <laughs> like this, like intense power walk, like he's ruck marching and he just, he looks very like virile and healthy and he's, I mean, he's pushed really old. So, you know, I think it's a good example to set because it's a habit that's going to help sustain you through life um, in a lot of ways. And we'll talk about a lot of other benefits, I'm sure. But for me, I think that's, that's a, a really good reason to, to put the effort into it. Sure. Yeah, and, and for me, like I said, uh, uh, so I, I don't, and I don't know if any fathers out there listen to this that, that feel the same way. Um, but if, if you don't know what anxiety is, sometimes people don't realize they have anxiety. You feel like you have way too much energy and you just got to like drop and do 20 pushups. It's just like this, you're just going to burst and like, it's overwhelming. That's how it was for me, like high energy, but I'm a high energy person as it is. Um, and I just, I, I had all this energy and I couldn't get rid of it. So it would focus negatively, if that makes sense. Um, so exercise is that outlet um, for me. But it was also a great way, like when I moved to South Mississippi, um, I moved to the coast and I started the CrossFit. I didn't have a whole lot of friends when I was there. I mean, I make friends okay, but they're not really the kind of people I was wanting to hang out with. Uh, so when I when I went to CrossFit and I started like a runner's league at, uh, down there, I really found a lot of good friends. And, and let's be honest, people who take care of themselves like to, you know, tend to take care of their relationships with others and other aspects of life. Uh, so if you're, if you're willing to take care of yourself and dedicate that time to yourself, um, more than likely you're the kind of person who does that in a career and success and, and other things. And so that's kind of the people I wanted to be around. So yeah, I had some, I had some good friendships from it as well. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that I want to, you know, share with my child's, uh, children one day, hopefully, uh, just to 
kind of be one of those things that you can always fall back on. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. If you're good, bad, happy, sad, you know, it's, there's always a workout or a run or something that can just counter that. And, and I don't know how to explain it any other way than that. Like it literally is a cure-all. You'll literally feel your stress melt away. And that's just, for me, that was the ultimate thing, just getting off of medication, being able to go natural and, and like just vitamins and, and just taking care of myself. And then honestly, you know, when you watch yourself go from a heavier point, like I did in my life, uh, when my twin brother was at Oxford, I, I got pretty heavy at one point and I'm six, three. Um, I think my probably like 10% body fat's like 175 ish. Um, I was two thirty, and I was probably like a really horrible BMI and I was miserable. So one day I just woke up and I started, this is why I said planet fitness. The best shape I ever got in was with my dad. My dad loves planet fitness cause he travels constantly. And I'm telling you what, um, just the way you feel losing 30 pounds, it's so different when you look at yourself in the mirror one day and then you realize you've lost that weight. It's addictive. And if you have an addictive personality and you have bad habits, oh, it's it's so good to like just have a healthy addiction because that's exactly what it becomes. Like when you you make it a habit after 30 days, after 60, it becomes fun. And after 90 days, it, it becomes a must. That's when you really start to, I'd say three to four months is when people really start to see physical changes and find mental changes that come with that because you start feeling confident, happier, you know, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And, and look, exercise benefits brain function um, because of, you know, three primary uh, chemicals that it modulates. Um, so like dopamine, uh, noradrenaline. Um, serotonin, all those things are all affected. And usually what will happen with somebody who's either, you know, a high functioning anxiety person or somebody who's dealing with depression or anything like that. Um, the, the noradrenaline is always going to be really high. It's going to be peaked because, you know, they're, they're just constantly in that fight or flight mode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that happened to me as a new dad. When I first had my first child, man, my stress levels were through the roof. My depression kind of kicked in because of Mm -hmm. anxiety. And so one of the things my doctor did is he tried medicine. Medicine didn't work for me. It actually made it worse. It gave me panic attacks and all this stuff. And so one of the things that I did as a, as a new dad was he said, look, man, eat a consistently clean diet and go to the gym for at least three weeks. If you can, if you, you know, uh, consistently go for at least 21 days, you'll see a difference. And I'm telling you about the 20 to 21st day, it was like a light switch just turned on and like the, the adrenaline was gone and everything kind of like all those different levels of chemicals, they from went from peaking and bottoming out to being leveled out. And then yeah. once that was modulated by the exercise, it was like the anxiety, the panic attacks, all that stuff disappeared. Um, yep. So that, yeah, there's a definite huge benefit of exercise to, to your mental health. Um, but to the modulation of your body's chemicals that affect your mood. So it's, it's really important for sure. And so one of the consistent themes we'll talk about during this show is it's all what works best for you. Um, so I tried so hard to meditate. I tried to sit there. I tried to quiet my mind. And when someone says, don't think about pink elephants, all I can think about is pink elephants. Yeah. Right. And so I can't do it. I, I spent a year trying to learn how to meditate and it was, it was a complete utter failure. <laughs> What I can do, though, and this is interesting, is um, while I'm practicing yoga, and the more intense, the better. Uh, I love hot yoga. I like a nice hot room. Um, I can quiet my mind uh, while I'm exercising. And so for me, um, meditation 
can only occur while I'm being active. And again, that's, that's just me. A lot of people I think, um, are very able to, uh, you know, to just sit and take a moment and quiet their mind. And, um, <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Um, and I, you know, and, and maybe it's attention deficit, maybe it's just, you know, how my brain works. Um, but, uh, for me, I have to be active in order to, shut out thoughts that I don't want to have and to quiet my mind. Um, and I think one of the key elements to being a happy father and one of the most important things you can pass on to your children is the ability to quiet negative thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I think most Americans are walking around with a constant stream of negative critical thoughts. And we think that's okay. We think it's normal because you're a, a weirdo or a nerd or a loser if you have positive self-talk. I mean, how many people wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a great morning. Yeah. Um, I'm awesome. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go make the devil run away because he should be afraid, you know, whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, no, yeah. most, most people don't do that because it sounds hokey, right? Yep. And as I, uh, you know, I feel like those progressive commercials where you turn into your parents, but, uh, you know, as I get older and, and become a dad, I realize a lot of those quote unquote hokey ideas that we, you know, think of as, uh, you know, as corny and, and silly are not silly at all. Uh, if you have the ability to engage in positive self-talk, you will last longer while you exercise. Um, you'll be able to meditate more easily. It, it is a critical function um, that we as men need to do. And uh, for some reason, our culture has really... Um, told us that that's bad. That's, um, that's silly or, um, you know, immature and it's not at all. Um, it is absolutely essential for your mental health, um, exercising or not to, uh, you know, to be positive. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, one of my favorite stations, it's on Spotify. It's called uh, fearless motivation radio. I think I sent it to you guys a couple of years ago. It's, um, uh, intense, powerful music overlaid with speeches of people saying, you know, ah, you can do this essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's cool. It, doesn't matter. I mean, you, your dog could have just died that morning and you are going to find it's, it ch changes your mood, man. It's a, you know, it's, it's powerful. Um, you know, like Justin was talking about music is an incredible, uh, motivator and, uh, you know, combining powerful music with, with powerful exercise, um, you know, that's better than, than any kind of medication, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, it's slaying the beast. I mean, it's, yeah, it's the epic, yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was, yeah, I was just going to add on that. Uh, I learned that self-talk concept through sports. Uh, my grandpa, it, it was, I think I was eight, eight or nine. I can't remember. And I had one state and I was going to go to the junior Olympics for Taekwondo. And he was like, I want you to wake up every day and say to yourself a hundred times, you're going to win. And at first I was like, this is stupid. And he's like, you're going to do it. And I was like, okay, you know, like, yes, grandpa, you know? And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it. My my entire mindset, even even as a young boy, eight or nine years old, was it was not of fear or anxiety as I walked into. You know, there were some jitters, of course. Like that's your physical response to a. You know, you walk into this massive place and there's thousands of people and you're about to start kicking each other in the face. But um, I wasn't. I was confident that I had trained my hardest. That you know, like all and. And it wasn't necessarily because I'd actually done all the hours of training or anything. It was because from before I even started all the training up to the the actual Junior Olympics, my mind was essentially made up that I was going to do my best. Um, and by just constantly repeating it, you know, even, again, even as an idiot child, you know, it was it was resolute in the fact that, um, you know, they 
my opponent was going to have to physically beat me. Um, it wasn't going to be me that beat me by you know doubt or or messing up or something. So it is, it is extremely powerful. It's something that um, I've carried with me my whole life. Um, and of course, it's not like if you just magically say I'm going to do whatever, you're going to just magically do it. You still have to do the work, but it, it's putting your mind in tune with your physical body, and it's it's a really good uh, um, way to kind of use your exercise to help impact other areas of your life as well. So, um, yeah, very powerful. I'm glad you brought that up, Dustin. Yeah. Um, and you know, motivation is not something that will just come. You could spend your entire life waiting for motivation and it'll never happen. Uh, motivation comes from action. Um, and it comes from, um, you know, positive self-talk and things that you, you push yourself into. Um, so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if we wanted to gear, this idea of exercise towards, you know, again, let, let's talk about a, a newer dad who's got a younger kid, wasn't particularly active to begin with, and then had a child and just became totally inactive, right? So, you know, if we're talking to that guy, um, one of the most important concepts that I learned, um, I guess a couple of years ago, I don't remember who popularized it, but the term is called exercise snacking, essentially, right? So um, if you uh, do a total of two hours of exercise in a week, right? If you spend two hours on Sunday working your butt off and just tearing it up and doing a great workout, and then you do nothing for the rest of the week, do you think that's better? Or do you think it's better to do 20 minutes a day or whatever works out to two hours? Um, which one do you think would be better? The, um, the more consistent, smaller, because I think, I think it's the more frequent, uh, even although it's small, the more frequent... Uh, kind of response your body has to have to the exercise would, would make a bigger change over time. I think you're exactly right. Yep. Um, and so the idea with exercise snacking is we've, for whatever reason, it's probably my fault as a personal trainer, you know, for telling you, Hey, you got to get your sessions in, you got to do an hour workout. You know, um, that's not true at all. Um, if you get even as little as five, 10 minutes of exercise in where you're elevating your heart rate significantly, the cardiovascular benefits are unbelievable, you know, compared to uh, I, most Americans don't really elevate their heart rate at all, you know, throughout most days. Um, and uh, if that's you, um, you know, take this as a, an opportunity to not do that anymore. <laughs> Get your heart rate up. Take the stairs. Um, you know, uh, that's one of the main things uh, when I'm at work. Uh, I found a secret exercise stairwell that's uh, six flights up. Um, I ran to the top of it um, a few months ago and I saw um, scrap sheets of paper that had a bunch of different names on there. There were water bottles back there. I guess the night shift nurses or something were all running up and down the stairs. And I got really excited. So I started putting dash marks awesome. on there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I noticed uh, some of my customers, you know, they work in their corporate offices and stuff. And, uh, you know, they're pretty active, fit people. They're, you know, they're 50, 60s <clears> and they always take the stairs. And they're like, yeah, I mean, this is just free exercise, right? It, it's, a, it's a few extra minutes for me to just yeah. stay that much healthier. And it, it sounds stupid, but it, it's not. I mean, it, you're, you're literally making your body work just a little bit harder, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It wakes you up. Um, it gets you going. And uh, it's incredible how easy it is to be totally sedentary in a day. Um, you know, you walk to your car and you drive your car where you're sitting um, and then you sit at your job where you sit. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. you go home and you watch some television and you sit and uh, then you go to sleep. And, you know, before you know it, you, you didn't, and I, I'm no judgment there. I mean, I've been that guy, you know, um, many times and, uh, you know, it, it's very easy to get into that habit. It's comfortable. It's easy. Right? right. And so a big theme with exercise is it's uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, you didn't have a choice. Um, a hundred years ago, your job was probably active, you know, so you had to, you had to do that. You probably had to walk to work, right. You weren't driving. 
Uh, I mean, that's one of the weirdest things that nobody would have expected was who would have thought that the invention of the internal combustion engine would lead to an obesity epidemic? You know, talk about the law of unintended consequences. That's wild, right? But uh, I, I would argue that most Americans, male and female, don't necessarily get excited about the thought of exercise. Um, and it's a narrow margin. I think, you know, probably 30, 40 percent of us love exercise. It's just easy for us because it's fun. Uh, we naturally have good proprioception, which means your ability to uh, see where your body is in space. We could throw a baseball easily. Um, something like 30 to 40 percent of people have very poor kinesthetic awareness, whether it's genetic or they just didn't grow up with it. They didn't have someone show them how to throw a ball. Um, if you hand your, you know, your average 40 year old man a baseball, they probably there's a good chance they don't know how to throw it. They've just never done mm -hmm. it. Right. And so you take someone like that and then you tell them, all right, we're going to, you know, do exercises, whatever. And it's all challenging, confusing. The weights are going everywhere. You know, it, it's not a fun process. It takes a lot of discipline and a lot of heart and a lot of desire. Um, and so, you know, in our culture, being normal, being the average person is um, in debt, broke, overweight, probably divorced. Uh, you know, it's don't don't be average. Don't be normal. You know, you, you absolutely have to engage in somewhat unusual behavior. You have to be a little bit of a nerd <laughs> you know, to uh, to be someone who exercises, to be someone who who does that extra. I, I walk into work. Uh, there's 10 people lined up at the elevator. And I go and take the stairs and I see those same 10 people every day and I wave to them and I go and take the stairs and they go back to the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> like, that guy's so weird. Yeah, I'm the nerd <laughs> and I'm the weirdo. And I totally I embrace that because but, and you're jacked. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. And so whenever I think, oh, you know what? This would just be easier to do what everyone else does, do the normal thing. I have to remember that normal is probably not, at least for me, a happy person. You know, you have to be a little bit unusual in your behavior and your intentions to um, to get where you want. But so to get back to that concept of exercise snacking, um, you know, for someone who's intimidated by the idea of going to the gym, um, getting that long workout in, doing exercises they don't know how to do anyways, um, you know, obnoxious personal trainer with a big smile on his face and ting, you know, nice teeth. Like who wants to talk to that guy? He's the worst, right? So you don't have to do that. Uh, you can absolutely um, engage in, you know, five or 10 very basic, uh, body weight exercises. Um, and you can 100%, uh, be very fit. A Herschel Walker, right. Never touched a weight. And he was, you know, one of the fittest people on the planet, uh, or still is. Um, and so, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day of, of mild exercise will get you so much further, um, than staring into the void of, you know, an hour and a half of, Oh, I have to go run a marathon now, <laughs> you know, and kudos to people who love to run marathons. Um, I personally think if you're above six feet tall and you're over 200 pounds, marathon running is probably not for you. You know, if you look at the build on most marathon runners, um, they're young, they're, you know, 20, 25 years old. Um, they are light, they're short, and that's the kind of build that, you know, makes a great runner. Um, now, as far as running a mile, three miles, five miles, you know, I think that's great for everybody, but, uh, getting those real long distances out there. Um, I don't love it, man. I mean, <laughs> I'd much rather go, uh, go lift some weights. Um, you know, so that, that's your basic, that's your start where you're just getting active, getting moving, um, make it happen. You know, as far as getting motivated to do it, um, there's no secret formula, special sauce to it. Um, if this is your wake up call where you say, wow, I've been pretty sedentary. I've gained maybe five or 10 pounds this year. Um, looking at myself right now, I've definitely gained some weight this year. Um, let this be my wake up call to myself to, you know, get more active and, um, and, and fix that, uh, that food intake. Um, so Brandon, you, uh, you talked about the mental benefits to uh, exercise. Um, I'm going to real quickly, uh, go over the sleep benefits, um, to exercise as well. Um, I read a book, uh, by Dr. Matthew Walker. Uh, he's the head of the sleep Institute um, at, 
at Harvard. Uh, it's called Why We Sleep. Uh, came out last year and it's been super, super influential. Uh, it, it's really interesting. Um, he talks a lot uh, about our understanding of sleep and why in America we don't respect it enough. Um, our consciousness weaves together um, periods where we are not conscious, right? So if you introspect and just think, okay, what did I do today? You'll tie together different periods and your mind kind of makes you think you're conscious the entire time. You found it. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Um, really, really awesome book. Um, we could talk about it in more depth later. I'm just going to briefly go over a couple of key concepts as they relate to exercise. Um, but, uh, basically if you do not sleep well, your brain will not necessarily tell you that you're not sleeping well. Um, so the best example that he gave that was very stark was, uh, don't drink and drive, not a good idea. But if you had the choice between sleeping for two hours the previous night, or drinking and driving, you should 100% get wasted and get to sleep. As crazy as that sounds, it's much, much safer to be very drunk than it is to be super short on sleep because your body engages in something called micro sleeping when you haven't slept enough. When you don't get enough REM sleep, your body's going to find a way yeah, to get that it's sleep. called droning. So we called it in the military. <laughs> droning. Yep, exactly. And so if you're in I a car. sleep standing up numerous times. Yeah. And you probably didn't realize it. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're behind the wheel and you slept two hours the previous night, two hours the previous night before that, um, you will fall asleep, not realize it and wake back up and you have no reaction time. At least when you're drunk, you have some reaction time, right? Again, please do, do not drink and drive, <laughs> but, but it's even worse to not wow. sleep and drive, right? So no matter how important it is, if you're going to be late to work, if you, um, you know, have to catch a flight, whatever it is, it's not worth it. Um, you know, the, the majority of fatalities uh, in America on um, on highways are related to sleep deficits. Um, wow. And so when it comes to sleep, uh, the cure-all, if, if you don't sleep well, um, for the vast majority of people is exercise. Um, I think a lot of us are just high energy people, you know, like Justin, and uh, you got some energy to burn off, right? You know, I mean, that, that's where anxiety comes from. That's where sleep issues come from. Um, when you exercise intensely, it's a blunt instrument that gets past all of those issues. You know, you don't need melatonin supplements. You don't need Xanax. Um, <laughs> you need iron. <laughs> you need to pump the iron. Yeah. <laughs> and that uh, 100%, um, you know, fixes sleep for a lot of people. It's not everybody. Obviously, well, there, are, there are Just anecdotal sleep. evidence. You know, my wife will tell me all the time, oh, man, I, I really don't want to work out today, but I need to because I want to sleep tonight. She's, she's found that that's like her number one thing is if she just gets a workout in, no, no matter how small it is, she just sleeps better straight up. She's yeah. a really light sleeper. Like, I mean, you could like slap me in the face and I'm probably going to barely wake up. But for her, it's, yeah. you know, she, it's made a huge difference for her. So it's, there's at least one use case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, I, um, I deal with really rough sleep uh, as well. And what I do is I have an actual Apple watch that, and then I have an app, um, that I, I use to track everything and it's called auto sleep. And what it does is it tracks my REM, it tracks my breathing, respiration rates, my, all that stuff. Right. And so I've been tracking that since I had COVID in 2020. And I can tell you, um, I stopped eating two and a half to three hours before I go to sleep. I have to either take a walk or do some kind of exercise before, because if I don't, and I'm stressed that that fight or flight response and that adrenaline being raised up, like I'm already a light sleeper. If, if that stuff's still there, man, my, I, I'll, I'll sleep like garbage. I'll probably have maybe an hour and a half of REM sleep tops. And like on nights where I, I'm doing good, it's three to four. And, 
you know, like you're saying the micro napping, I've done that on the road with a big F550 truck driving in college, yeah. like yep. fell asleep with, and the, the little rit, rivets in the, the street, you know, saved my life. Oh, those rumble so, strips are there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I pulled over, I called in, I was like, look guys, I'm done. I got to go to home and go to sleep. I, I'm just, I'm yep. running on fumes. And yeah. So like, one of the things besides my diet, like I've been seeing how my diet and how exercise affects my sleep by tracking it on my watch. So a pro tip, track it with auto sleep app on your iPhone or your Samsung and your smartwatch. And, uh, you know, that's something that will help you kind of gauge where you're at. Um, and then you can adjust and kind of test things out and see, you know, where and how things work. But, yeah, that's that's one of the things I do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't track it, you can't, uh, you can't measure it. You don't know what's going on. So that's absolutely right. right. And I, I'm a big data guy. I love, you know, all that stuff. Um, we need to get a sponsorship from Apple. We need one from planet fitness. Who else we mentioned today? We, <laughs> we, we are happy to take your sponsorship money. Please that's bring it to funny. us. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so getting back to that sleep stuff, um, you know, we in this culture talk, Oh, I didn't get any sleep. That guy never sleeps. He's so tough. You know, don't be a hero. Don't be that tough guy. Um, you know, don't be that guy who puts your child at risk. You know, if you haven't, if you slept two hours last night and you're driving your kid to school, don't do that. That's not, that's not safe. Yeah. You know? Um, so 100%, if you have to choose between, you know, getting an hour, uh, workout in the morning, you know, at four 45, um, and getting two, three hours of sleep to make it happen, um, or getting that extra two, three hours of sleep and skipping the workout, you got to skip the workout. You got to get that sleep in. That's that's priority number one, um, especially as a new dad. Uh, Justin, I know you've, you've had some challenges. <laughs> it's brutal, right? Yeah, the sleep gets gets interrupted. Um, and it's just it's a part of, you know, having a young child and, and good for you for taking some of that on. I think that's 100 percent part of your job as a dad to, you know, shoulder some of that burden um, for your wife. That should 100 yeah. percent not be something. She, it's you know, it's rough, man, because uh, I'm uh, like I said, I'm I've got a multitude of things going on besides my career. Um, you guys know, but I'm just, I'm beat down right now, man. I, um, I take the night shift since my wife's a physician, she needs to, you know, be able to pay attention to kids' mouths and, and all the stuff that she deals with on a daily basis. So I try to let her get sleep, but man, my son lately, um, he is, uh, I don't know. He, he wakes up and like just makes noise at like 2 a.m. And I am the lightest sleeper. Like George says he could sleep through a hurricane. I'm the guy that I hear a mouse step on something and I'm up, you know. So it's it's a little harder for me to get, you know, full sleep. And I've, I've noticed throughout my life, you know, when I went through my divorce and the stress and some of the things I was going through, um, I found myself sleeping a lot because I think my body required it. Um, and when you're depressed, you want to sleep. And I think that's just because your body is trying to tell you, hey, like you've got a lot going on. This is the way that you can kind of take a break, so to speak, because um, your body sometimes just won't let you shut down. Your mind won't. And and that was the only way I could, like you said, Dustin, only way to quiet my mind until I figured out um, that I had other avenues of quieting it. Um, what I used to do and something anybody that's listening can use. Um, I, I had a therapist actually tell me this uh grab some earplugs, put the earplugs in, go to the quietest room you can find and listen to your heartbeat. Because they said that your, um, your cadence, your heartbeat, supposedly something about it mentally and psychologically is supposed to reassure you 
and yet calm every other part of you because uh, it's linked to every part of you, if that makes sense. I don't know. The, the way that he described it was was pretty fascinating, but it works. Because uh, I was like, mm. Dustin, I'm like, you know, black monkeys, purple oranges, you know, like <laughs> my brain just goes 50,000 places and yeah. I don't know how to shut it off. And, and you know, actually, uh, Dustin used to get me to come to the yoga classes. And I'll say this, some of the best gains I ever got in my life were I would do yoga right after. And it really helped. Uh, I and it. I got great sleep after that, too. So maybe that's the key. You know, maybe Dustin's on to something with the yoga. Oh, I don't I know about it. hot I, yoga. I don't know. It's hot enough down here, man. <laughs> it's it's that. it's a um it's a joint thing for me. So when I go and do cold yoga, just normal, um, I will often uh, be kind of creaky, a little bit sore afterwards. Doesn't always feel that great. Do some hot yoga. You're so warmed up. Um, you, you just feel amazing. Um, so you know, personally, I, I think cranking up that temperature, but I'm the same way with working out. I would rather work out. I think it's crazy how we crank air conditioning in gyms. I mean, I get, you don't want sweaty people all over, you know, so I, I can get both sides to that one, but uh, your ideal workout is in a pretty hot gym where you're nice and warm. Um, so, you know, um, yoga, you know, kind of goes the same way. When, uh, when I was a kid, uh, my mom, um, started me, uh, with, uh, so there's, there's Bikram yoga, which is the hot yoga. Um, there's Hatha yoga, which is the traditional kind we know with your, you know, downward dog and flows and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I did Kundalini uh, yoga as a kid, um, which is mentally, I think the toughest kind of yoga, you'll hold a pose for four to five minutes, you know, in a balanced pose, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, I noticed, I felt like I had a superpower in school, you know, I had friends that were distracted, couldn't focus. And um, I was able to tap into that um, and and focus and read and, and, and do that. Um, so that's another huge benefit to exercise is it brings clarity and it brings attention. Um, I firmly believe that if you as a father are able to teach your child to have an attention span, they will have a superpower in this new era of, um, TikTok and Snapchat and, uh, and Instagram and Facebook reels. Uh, I, I firmly believe that research will show that too much exposure to short, uh, short form video, uh, you know, an hour, 20 minutes, whatever is probably not a big deal. But, uh, you know, if you're consistently spending, three, four hours a day watching short form video looping over and over and over, it absolutely just, it destroys your attention span because um, nothing else can hit your dopamine centers like that. You know, reading a book is going to be super boring because you don't have, you know, yeah. cute kittens popping out at you every five seconds right. and something new and exciting. And so um, taking that time to exercise and to, to quiet your mind and let go of all of these things um, is 100% something that we need to be teaching our children um, because otherwise they're not going to be able to focus. They're going to struggle. They're going to be unhappy at their jobs, you know, because it just doesn't have the, uh, the intensity. So yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. Plus, plus it's a good coping mechanism for them when they're, they're stressed or they have issues there. And so, um, but going back, uh, two things real quick, going back to the, uh, the stairs, I think that's just creating efficiencies in your, the, the allotted time that you have, especially as a busy dad, you know, uh, taking the stairs, like when I'm at work and I'm not having a type of way, cause I, you know, I have a job, like, like you said, where I'm very sedentary, um, I'll push out goals. So like, I'll say, um, one day I'll do wall sits and a couple squats, like I'll do 50 squats. And so I just space it out throughout the entire day. I don't even have to do it all at once. I just do 10 here, 10 there. And it's, it's not a huge thing, but it's keeping me conditioned and keeping muscle yeah. atrophy from kicking in. And then on another day, 
um, I'll go and do like 100, 150 push-ups throughout the day. And again, no gym, no no membership fees, no expensive equipment. It's just mm-hmm. pushing out whatever you can get in when you can get it in. And uh, so so that's that's great. But um, going back to the children thing, um, my kids are are playing soccer now. They just started a couple of weeks ago. In fact, it's my daughter Bela's um, first year, and so. I think one of the things about the exercise that's involved in that is she's understanding that she has to consistently push herself out of her comfort zone to hustle in the game and to be competitive and not just that, but she's learning that competitiveness is like, it's a factor of life and especially in sports. And so like, it's kind of thrown her, you know, she's kind of scared. She's jumpy when they're like coming at her aggressively, but it's like, Hey, life's going to do that to you too. And so, you know, you, this is good. This is going to teach you to be good under pressure. It's going to teach you to, um, like, like Justin was saying, um, you know, channel your, your energy and your, your habitual stuff into good, healthy things. And so, yeah. And, and look, there's a great book for this. Um, James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And if you haven't read it, it's, it's an incredible read. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it'll definitely help with, with, you know, modeling yourself for your children, but for, you know, creating habits in your children as well. So yeah, yeah those are the two, two big things I, I was wanting to, to rebut on that. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, add on to the sports point. So I, I think sports, uh, for kids, um, provided that you're encouraging them and, you know, teaching them that it's not just about the game, uh, is arguably the healthiest place to learn disappointment and how to overcome disappointment mm. and adversity and pain and frustration because Absolutely. it is just a game, right? Um, yeah. And oh. especially if we're talking like six to eight-year-olds, you know, playing soccer, it's not the World Cup. Life will continue if you lose or you mess up or whatever, right? It's, But those are real emotions. They're, and it's like for my daughter, she's a, like, Brandon, she's like your son who's just really, like emotions are really strong for her. And soccer has been something where... Oh. Man, they hit her hard, and I'm like, look, honey, you need to identify that. You got to work through it. Like, the game is still going. Your team still needs you to keep trying. And um, it's better for her to uh, deal with that on a grass field that doesn't matter than when she's 25 in a relationship struggling. Or so, you know what I mean? If you've never learned that skill till you're an adult, probably not very good. So I, I think that that's a huge benefit of you can be the worst player on the team. But you're gonna have to deal with some of these these concepts and uh, you know skills, quite frankly, that you're going to have to use in life at some point. And yeah. wh- why not learn them in a controlled, relatively safe environment? Um, and, and you know, and as a parent, remind, like I, I tell this to my daughter a lot. You know, of course, I want her to do well and all that kind of stuff. But afterwards, I'm like, look, you could be the worst player on the field. I don't care. But you can be respectful. Mm-hmm. You can be. You can work hard. And, um, you know, things like that. You can listen to your coach. You can cheer on your teammates. That has nothing to do with how good or bad you play. Those are things that you can always do. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that that's a, be- a beautiful thing about it. So, yes, it's exercise. It's teaching kids to move and, and to deal with that. But there's a huge, uh, you know, life skill set that they're going to gain from it. Um, so that's why I'm a huge fan of, of kids' sports. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to, when we were talking earlier um, about, you know, staying active and why it's important for you as, as you know as you age and everything for me i found that with you know with my back injuries and shoulder injuries and stuff like that if i take just a couple days off from working out because oh, i'm tired or you know i'm traveling a lot or whatever 
they start to nag real quick. My back starts mm -hmm. hurting again. My shoulder starts hurting. My knees, everything starts popping again. If I stay active and, you know, body in motion stays in motion type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I've found that even if I have a really crappy workout and maybe, I, you know, I go down a band on everything. So it's nowhere near my capacity or any of that kind of stuff. It's nowhere near my potential. But just doing a, a quick crappy one is still better than doing none at all for me um, because it just keeps my back from hurting all the time. And, you know, if I take a whole week off, it, it feels like I went and hurt my back. I don't know how to explain it. There's just yeah. something about the muscles in my back weaken just that much that all that nerve pain just starts shooting right back in. And it's insane that it's that constant. It's, it's not just a one-time thing. It's anytime I take an, ex, you know, any kind of extended break from my exercise, um, you know, it, it, it's right there to remind me, <laughs> Oh, the back yeah. messed up, you know? And so, it, um, if you can find a way, uh, a set of exercises that help you kind of maintain uh, pain relief, uh, that's that's another um, reason to, to stick with it. You know, I think maybe a lot of people who are medicated for pain in this country um, probably don't really have an injury, and it's probably a side effect of of sedan being sedentary, like you were talking about, Dustin. Um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but you know, based off my own experience, and I just start to feel worse when I haven't done something. Um, you know, physically, I just. It's not just the pain aspect. It's so exactly, you know? Yeah, exact same for me. If I don't do back extensions a couple times a week, my lower back will start. I'm 6'4", I'm a big dude. And, uh, you know, if I don't keep that erector spinae strong, uh, I will 100%, you know, struggle and have pain. Um, as a dad, you know, as an American, it is 100% patriotic to, to exercise, um, to stay, uh, to stay fit, um, you know, to be there for your children, right? Um, so number one rule of exercise, don't do something where you're going to get yourself hurt. You know, if you, uh, uh, sorry, erector spinae is your lower back muscle. I apologize. Stronger erector what? Here. Stronger erector what? <laughs> erector spinae. It's your lower back muscles, Justin. Uh, so, sure? uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. Your Very, uh, muscle. <laughs> your hairs. Exactly. No, that, yeah, that's right. There you go. Um, so it is 100%. I, I firmly believe your duty as a dad, as an American, um, to do your best, to be active, um, to keep yourself healthy, uh, to, to stay away from injuries. Um, what is our labor mm -hmm. participation, uh, rate right now? 50, 60%. It's not very high, right? And a well, large part of that, let's Google yeah, it. look it up labor force participation rate. You know, we talk about low unemployment, but that doesn't take into account all the people who aren't looking for jobs and have no interest in it because they're disabled. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, there are many people that are disabled and, you know, um, they, they were shot in a war. Um, you know, they, they have a disease. Uh, it's 100%, you know, not, not speaking to that, but there, I believe that there are men, uh, fathers, you know, in this country, um, who, yeah, look at this just, I mean, so this plummeting. is according, I, I don't know how accurate this is. This is according to usafacts.org. Wow. Yeah. It was, so when was this published? This was published. December 16th, 2020. So it's a little old, but yeah. Uh, maybe 2020 isn't the greatest year. So yeah. Anyway. And so, you, you know, uh, off with you, you guessed about 60. That's crazy. Cause like when the yeah. pandemic hit, that's when I like really got after it. Cause I was doing nothing. Oh no, no, this is over years. Sorry. This is uh this is 95 right here. 2000. Yeah. 2005. So man, the nineties were good. 2015. That's right. <laughs> November, 2015, 62 and a half percent. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of that, I think, takes into account retired people and, and all that. But uh, so, again, 
you 100% have it within your power to, uh, to be active, to be um, someone who's beneficial to society that, that helps your children. Uh, you also 100% have it in your power to be a leech, to be a slug, to be someone who doesn't help other people, you know, who's just out for yourself. And, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that it is your duty to do everything you can to, you know, to remain um, fit, healthy, and able to, um, you know, to help your family. Um, and so that's uh, something that, that drives me when I don't want to exercise, when I don't want to go to work, when I don't want to, you know, listen to my two-year-old, um, you know, complain about how his milk doesn't taste good, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> I, I use a lot of that positive self-talk and I tell myself, um, you know, I, I'm going to be a good father. I'm going to be a, um, you know, a good member of society. And that, um, that motivates me. Some people, not so much. They go, you know, it's just not their thing. But uh, that personally works really well for me to remind myself, you know, that um, I was given so much. Um, and uh, I try to, you know, make a goal every day to give back a little bit. And one of the ways you can do that is by keeping yourself healthy, by exercising and by, um, you know, finding out what it is for you that, that works. Um, so do not, do not do crazy stuff as a dad. I'm 40 years old. You know, I, I'm not out there doing things that I know are risky. Very, very low risk is the best kind of exercise, right? The whole point of this is to be healthy and to do well. Um, and not to, uh, not to get hurt. So, um, you know, stay safe with your exercises and Brandon, I know you've been waiting a while to talk, so please. No, that's fine. That's fine. So, uh, I was just wanting to, to, to transition us. So we've, we've discussed exercise, we've discussed sleep, but one of the most important factors that we also haven't discussed yet, um, is diet. Uh, diet is three fourths the battle in certain mm. goal settings when it, when it comes to physical appearance or um, certain physical goals. I mean, you got the fuel that you put in your body is just as important. So uh, maybe Dustin, if you want to talk in on um, you know, dietary recommendations, uh, maybe George, you guys have different different outlooks or different types of diets, but all of them, you know, if, if they're healthy and they're not processed foods and not a ton of sugar and caffeine. I feel like any of those would be, would be a great benefit to these dads for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, swing at that one first. I'll take a swing at it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, the, the newest research, um, is the complete opposite, um, of, uh, you know, we were taught six, seven small meals a day, you know, mostly bread. I mean, if you look at the food pyramid, that's a recipe for obesity. Mm -hmm. You know, if you eat, I think it, it asks for 13 servings of grain, a day. I, I can't imagine eating 13 slices of bread. It's, it's insane. Uh, it's just, it's not a good system. So there have been a lot of important changes that have been made. Um, but uh, a book that I found very influential um, that was uh, written last year is called um, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have to. Um, and uh, it's uh, the head of the Gerontology Institute. I think that one's at Harvard as well, just like Matthew Walker's. Um, and uh, Dr. David Sinclair wrote the book. Um, really, really interesting. Um, talks about how the most important thing you can do to slow down the aging process is to eat less often, uh, which was very surprising to me. Um, a little bit of hunger is okay. Um, you know, uh, again, and you'll still, I mean, if you talk to most nutritionists, they're going to say, if you're ever hungry, that's a disaster. You have to make sure you're never hungry because that, you know, curbs cravings. Um, and I understand the science behind that because I know for me, when I get really hungry, I do overeat sometimes, you know, I, I do struggle with that when I'm starving, I'll eat, you know, twice as much as I should have. So, um, or drink your kid's milk. I was wondering when you said your kid's milk, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All with the cookies. Like, exactly. Yeah, I was about? too busy for sure. Um, so, you know, the, the challenge is talking about your ideal world versus what, what actually works for most people in an ideal world. I think, um, you know, for most people eating once or twice a day, uh, is probably best, you know, for their long-term health. Um, 
what works for most people when you're dealing with temptation and constantly having, you know, rich, you know, foods available is probably to eat a little more often than that, you know, to, to stave off those hunger cravings. But, uh, you know, I think an important thing that many people don't realize is that it's okay to be hungry. Hunger pain is not a real thing, right? It's just your body. It's a sensation where your body tells you that your stomach is empty. Um, it's not an emergency. It's, it's not a reason to panic and, you know, immediately go get a snack. Um, it's okay to be hungry. And, uh, you know, there are, um, fascinating studies about how, uh, fasting is, is wonderful for your body. Um, uh, you know, as far as, um, cancer prevention, as far as, um, reducing, uh, your aging, I mean, all of these things, um, relate to, uh, eating less often. So that would be kind of one of the most surprising things that I learned because I never gave that advice as a trainer. I always told people, eat six small meals a day, you know, get X amount of protein, all that kind of stuff, because that's what I was taught. I mean, that that's, um, you know, the standard dogma behind nutrition. And uh, there's a lot of really interesting research coming out that uh, that's that's just not the case. Um, so, George, I'll kick it to you if you have some interesting ideas. Yeah. So, um, I you know, for most of my life, you know, like we talked about, I'm a hard gainer or whatever. So it's not like I necessarily needed to uh, work super hard in terms of weight gain. But in terms of how I felt, uh you know, that, that goes back to what Brandon was saying. It's the fuel you're putting in your body, right? So if you eat a bunch of garbage, you're going to feel like garbage. That's just straight up. So my the first thing I'd like to say through all my, you know, granted it's self-research. I, I am not, you know, some biologist or anything like that who's done you know, actual science to, to go into all these. But uh, looking into, you know, just what I've learned through my own personal journey, the, the average American, the number one thing they need to get rid of in their diet is sugar. Sugar is poison. It turns to fat. It slows you down. It it numbs your brain. It wears out your adrenals. Causes um, cancer. Causes. It's, it's everywhere in our diets too. Mm-hmm. Go grab something out of the store that you typically eat. Look at the sugar content. You're probably going to be shocked at how much is in it. Um, and that is where, and uh, like you know things like high fructose corn syrup and stuff like that is still sugar. Uh, they say it's not, it is, it does the exact same thing to your body. It's actually worse for your body, um, is, is what a lot of research is suggesting. But if you're, if you're snacking on stuff like that all day long, you're basically eating candy, um, overdoing fruits. If you're very sedentary and you're eating like six servings of fruit in a day, it's still sugar. Like your body processes it the same way. That's too much, you know? So look at that and just try it. That's usually people, they drink tons of pop, soda, whatever you call it. Right. A lot of sugary drinks. That's like step one. People are like, you cut that out and just drink nothing but water, you probably lose five to 10 pounds in a couple of weeks, just straight up, because it, it's just that bad for you. Um, so that's, that's usually step one. Like, you know, I'm not a coach or anything, but when people want some of my advice, um, that's number one. I ask about like how much sugar's in their diet, and that's typically one of the first things. Watch veggies. A lot mm-hmm. of veggies have a lot of sugar in it, surprisingly. So um, you got to be a little bit intentional, but uh, I found for me, if I just don't buy them at the store, then I know that everything at home is generally okay for me to, to wolf down. So um, the next thing I talk of, so, you know, I used to just do kind of what you call sad, the standard American diet, uh, you know, <laughs> yep. kind of ate just what, you know, what grandma used to cook and all that kind of stuff. Um, I say it's highly active, so it never really, you know, impacted me uh, too much. Um, but when I really started, uh, I think in my late 20s, really started getting really serious about, you know, I, I had some significant injuries at that point, a lot of back pain, a lot of joint pain. Okay, I need to do what I can to control this. Um, you know, I want to keep my br- blood pressure good and all that kind of stuff. Um, I started looking into intermittent fasting. 
So I basically stayed on a relatively standard American diet, just a lot of protein, minimized my sugar, all that kind of stuff, uh, minimized my carbs, and did intermittent fasting for several years. Um, honestly, the first couple of weeks are the only hard time getting used to like that morning hunger. I did what I did is I would eat from noon to uh, 8 p.m. at night, so that was like my eating window. Then that way, most of my hours that I'm not eating, I'm asleep for overnight, um, and then basically you just skip breakfast. Eat, eat lunch again at noon. I'd eat a really big lunch, um, and you know, I'm trying to gain muscle and stuff, so I'd eat a huge dinner too. But if you're if you're having different goals than me, you know you could adapt that. Really didn't find it that hard to do. Um, and you know, there's a lot of tricks. You can drink like uh, carbonated water, uh, you know, like salt, uh, like Perrier, uh, you know, those types of things that have no nutrients in it. Basically, it's just water, but the the, the bubbles kind of help make you feel full. Uh, anyway, there's a lot of benefits. I'm not I'm not gonna like go way off into the weeds, but intermittent fasting uh, I found to be very effective for me, um, physically and mentally. Um, I even experimented with the carnivore diet because uh, you know I've, I'd seen a lot of buzz on it, and I was like, well, let's just put it to the test. I think you know I was sharing it with you guys back before, way before we ever had this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a, I'm a pretty thin guy. I don't have a whole lot of body fat to begin with, and just doing carnivore for just a couple months. I mean, I was way shredded i mean what little fat i had just melted right off me i mean you could see all the muscles like around your ribs and my abs were just like super prominent so um very hard to do if you travel it's it's borderline impossible so it's not realistic for me to stick with it it was kind of fun to do um you know my meal every day for lunch was like four pounds of steak (laughs) this is pretty awesome and uh yeah so a little little tidbit on that we went to a, a steakhouse I took my wife to a steakhouse and I ordered a ribeye and a New York strip for myself. And the waitress was like, "Are you are you sure you? Because I'm a small guy, I'm not big, right?" And she was like, "That that's just for you." And I was like, "Yeah, you can just put it on the same plate." And she was like, "Are, are you sure?" I was like, "Do you want me to bring them separate?" I was like, "No, no, put it on the same plate, bring it at the same time. You can put the veggies on my wife's plate." And she was like, "What?" And so she, but they brought the food. And she, you know, she walked away. And you know, waitresses and waiters will typically do their first check-in. Hey, you know, how is it? How are things? Can I get you anything? I had already wolfed down the ribeye. It was already gone. Sixteen ounces, just gone like that. And she was like, just absolutely <laughs> shocked. And I was like, I told you I'd eat all this. So I was like, I wasn't kidding. Um, so it's kind of fun. Uh, you know, you just get to load up on meat. But um, it, that it's honestly, unless you have a like a medical condition or um, you need to drop a lot of weight, uh, carnivore is extremely difficult to stick to because it, unless you can really control your diet, it's very hard to do on the move. Um, there's ways to do it, but I think for a lot of people, it's it's asking a, a lot. If you're not already highly disciplined on something like that, I don't think it's very sustainable. Um, and yeah, Justin, let me, I'll kick it over to you in one sec. So I think you know a lot of people do keto as well. Um, I know there's a lot of unsettled science, so to speak, and you know there's not tons of research spanning decades yet on that. But I, I know people in my life who, you know, they, hey George, you know, look, I, I got to lose a lot of weight. I need to get fit again. What can I do? And I said, look, it's not going to be very fun necessarily, but if you just try do keto and start working out consistently, I, you'll drop some weight, and then you can kind of determine what you can sustain from there. And I mean, they all just like became new people uh, within a couple months, so. Uh, you need to evaluate what's for you. I, I go back to what Dustin said about like, it's gotta be something you can consistently stick with. Otherwise it's not going to be for you, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, 
my thoughts after the last five years of kind of intense journey for myself. Sure. And what I was going to add was uh, I studied a little bit of nutrition in college. And one of the things that um, I've noticed that works for me is, you know, people tell you, oh, go low carb, go low carb. Well, the problem is, is people usually when they go low carb, they cut them completely out and that's not good. Uh, and the reason being, <clears throat> so too many carbohydrates, and this is the problem that 90% of America that's obese has, they eat a lot of carbohydrates. And if you don't know what happens there, um, carbohydrates get broken down into sugars. Um, and that makes the blood sugar levels rise in your body. And this not only plays havoc on the pancreas because it's having to produce insulin to counteract everything. Um, there's a hormone that prompts cells to absorb blood sugar and energy for storage. Uh, so you're, you're overusing your pancreas. Um, and then on the other side of that, you're also making your liver process more as well because uh, not going too too in depth with things um what's the best way of describing this i'm sorry um there's uh, carbohydrates are a source of sugar and can affect your blood sugar more than protein or fat so your liver with fats it's it, it has to break things down in a way that your body just can't keep doing long term that's the easiest way i can put it uh, because the more carbohydrates you eat, the more your body tries to store fats and you're going to have more higher blood sugar levels and you're just going to have a lot of issues. Um, yeah, the, the carbs bind with fat, the yeah. sugars bind with fat in, in your bloodstream and then you can't get rid of it. Basically. Exactly. Um, so it can cause a lot of weight gain, one, two, uh, it, it's just not good for you long period. So if you do a low carb diet, you want to do high protein, stick to, you know, lean meats, don't eat a lot of, you know, well, for people who have blood pressure, cholesterol issues, red meats, you want to stay away from those a little bit, try to do, you know, fishes that are healthy. Um, just making sure you stay like with, you know, salmon and things like that. Uh, but I noticed for me personally, when I was eating, you know, fish, chicken, a lot of chicken, a lot of vegetables, and what I would do every morning so that I could kind of fast the rest of the day until I ate a larger meal was I did a shake and it had like kale, spinach, uh, blueberries, a lot of the fruits that have antioxidants that are, you know, killers of things like cancer and, and, and you know, the bad harmful cells, so to speak. Uh, and that just gave me a ton. I've never had more natural feeling energy uh, than when I did that and like a cup of coffee because um, coffee has antioxidants as well. But don't cut out carbs completely is my point. Uh, but you want to have, you know, 40, 50 grams of carbs is what they usually suggest you stick to. Uh, but you know, it's sad. I think I actually want to look this statistic up, uh, what the average carb intake is for Americans. I bet it's astronomical. Well, 300 grams a day, 300 grams a day. That is unreal amounts of carbs you do not want to do that um like i said try to stick to 40 or 50 and then you know dustin can actually tell you i think uh what's the ratio for protein for your weight a gram per pound that's what it was i couldn't remember that's yeah. it and, and so it's it's all about balance though i mean because when you're talking about carbs you have complex and you have simple carbs and complex carbs they take longer to, to digest so it's not like a just a sudden rush of insulin on your body 
uh, whereas simple carbs, they, they, they're just, they're processed and mostly sugar. And so like your, your complex carbs are like sweet potato, your fibrous uh, types of vegetables and not just that, but the fiber is also one of the things when it's flushing through you is also flushing out bad fats and, and, um, cholesterol. And so, yeah, I, I think personally, it's just eating healthier, low fat meats, staying away from processed foods and sugars, uh, cutting out caffeine, alcohol, if you can. Um, and then with, with intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting creates fat adaptivity, which means that it's just basically burning, um, off of fat fuel. If, if you have it, you know, especially in a, a state of ketosis, but it also helps with your insulin resistance. So like if, if all you eat is sugar and you're very insulin resistant, um, intermittent fasting helps with that. So for me personally, I, I'm all for, for just fibrous carbs, um, and then clean meats like uh, chicken, fish, turkey, those kind of things. You know, that's without the skin. That's not fried. That's baked um, or air fried. I mean, that's air that's, fried. That's the way yeah, to that's, go, baby. That's a good. But yeah, it's about balance. Fryer. It's about what I you love can, an air fryer. What you can yeah, eat because great. I feel like if if you're if you're starving yourself too much of carbs or protein, one protein squashes your appetite. So like if you have enough, if you have adequate protein intake, your appetite is lowered. Um, and then two, your, your fibrous carbs keep you satiated longer as well, because they, again, they take, take longer to digest. So it's, it's really important to keep a balance in your diet there. And it's mostly just lots of vegetables and clean meats, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one thing I wanted to interject in there. So. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, elephant in the room, we haven't talked about alcohol. Um, Ooh. alcohol is, uh, you know, something that unfortunately is just a disaster for sleep. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. Just a, you know, a couple of beers will, um, you know, people drink just, to go just, to sleep, right? It one. helps. Yeah. Just one. My exactly. Watch, my watch tracks my sleep and I, I love beer, but just one, even just one. Yeah. Wildly. It just completely dips my sleep down. It, um, the biggest way. effect is on something called heart rate variability. Um, so, the, uh, your heart rate should be able to adapt to your needs, right? So if, um, you know, you're exercising and your heart rate isn't able to move appropriately, that's a huge problem, right? And so something that unfortunately happens when you drink alcohol is your heart rate variability reduces and, you know, you really run into issues there. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, um, try to drink as little alcohol as possible. It really, um, it's not great. Um, ethanol has seven calories, um, per, uh, per gram. Whereas carbohydrates and proteins only have four and fats have nine. Um, so even if you're drinking a quote unquote light beer that says it's zero calories, that doesn't take into account the ethanol in it. So if you're drinking five or 10% beer, you're getting another, you know, 100, 200 calories and your body preferentially uh, dissolves alcohol first. So if you eat a big meal, um, you know, uh, a couple of quesadillas for taco Tuesday, you know, with a couple of uh, margaritas to go with it, that tequila has to break down before anything else breaks down. Uh, and that's, you know, a recipe for weight gain, unfortunately. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy a good beer. Fun, I, I know. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Interesting um, fact about, uh, you said margaritas, tequila, the body is that they're actually starting to use the agave plant, like pure agave nectars and tequila to administer certain drugs because like um, HIV drugs and some of the cancer drugs, your body's, uh, well, your stomach breaks down certain enzymes and it pretty much destroys these drugs. Tequila and the agave plant, they've actually linked. There's an enzyme in agave that will not break down in your intestines or in your stomach. 
And that's how they're delivering these medications, which is pretty cool. So that's wild, huh? Okay. You gotta, you gotta be careful with tequila because tequila, that's why tequila hits you differently. Your body can't, I guess, synthesize it or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, digest. Sorry. Yeah. Like digest it, I guess, properly metabolize it. That's Mm -hmm. the word I was looking for. I'm sorry. I destroy words in case anyone didn't see episode one. (laughs) Uh, So like your body can't metabolize this enzyme. So it's like, it's like, wait, what? And then you're, you're drinking an alcohol that's pretty strong as it is. So it just goes straight to your gut. And then your body's just like, Oh, cool. I'm going to send you the bloodstream. Let's see what's up. And then you sleep poorly. So maybe you get eight hours of sleep, but sleep quality is important too. So you've got disordered sleep and that can jack up your metabolism. It's, it's unfortunately, it's a really problematic cycle. And, uh, you know, just if, if you um, are, you know, worried about your health at all, um, a lot of reasons to, you know, minimize your alcohol intake. Um, so a few months ago, as an experiment, um, I wore a diabetic glucose monitor. Um, it measures um, your glucose levels in your interstitial fluid. Um, and it tells you, uh, you can scan it with your phone um, or every five minutes or so, it'll tell you what your level is. Um, pretty fascinating because everyone's body is a little bit different as to how they metabolize certain foods and what the effects they have on them. So, uh, for example, um, if I eat a banana, maybe my blood sugar stays relatively normal, but if Brandon eats that same banana, uh, it goes through the roof. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, for some people, you know, we talk about carbs versus protein, all that kind of stuff. I firmly believe that it depends on your body type and you really need to um, experiment for yourself and see, um, what is best. Um, but as far as exercise goes, the way your body metabolizes food is completely different uh, around the peri-exercise window. So in other words, if you are going to eat something sugary, something sweet, do it right before your workout or do it in the middle of your workout because that is the period of time where your body can most effectively digest that food and it won't, uh, it'll preferentially uh, turn it into muscle glycogen that will be used for your muscles and it won't uh, be stored as body fat. It's pretty fascinating. Um, so this monitor, um, I would be sitting in a chair and I'd eat, um, you know, a Snickers bar for research, not because I wanted it, because I was researching to see what it would do. All right. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and a normal blood sugar, as you guys probably know, is under 100. Somewhere in the um, 80, 90 range um, is, is a pretty good blood sugar to have. Um, and when you eat uh, a Snickers bar, um, for me personally, it does your blood sugar won't spike up that much because there uh, is a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat in it. Um, one of the best ways to spike up your blood sugar very high is to have pure sugar just by itself with nothing associated with it. Um, so for me personally, when I drank orange juice, my blood sugar went over 160, um, which, which is pretty problematic. You don't want to be that high. Um, so I know for me personally, juices are not a great option. They seem healthy, right? Cause it's fruit, but they're, they're really not, um, they're, they're too processed. Um, what about and, wine? Yeah, so yeah, well, wine is fine because it's grapes and grapes are good for you. So nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, so it was really fascinating because, you know, uh, I would exercise. I drink that you same orange juice. People really do that. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, really the justification. Yeah. yeah. Humans are not, um, reasoning animals. We're self-justifying Wait, animals. It's not good for it's you. A, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We find ways all the time to justify our behavior and tell ourselves why it's okay. And this is why most of us are overweight in this country. What is it? 70% of us. Um, so again, you have to be is it really that high. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, again, it's you know, check, um, look at the data, but, uh, you know, you have to behave in a, an unusual manner to be normal weight right now, right? Because if you do what the average person does, you will be overweight. That's just, you know, um, how it works. So uh, 
when I would exercise and I drink that same glass of orange juice, my blood sugar would stay about 90 to a hundred. That's fascinating to me. That's really interesting. It it's tells like me that half as much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So your goal with blood sugar levels is to be as even as possible. You want to be 80, 90, a hundred, you know, somewhere in that range. Um, and if you have big swings up or down, um, that's the road to diabetes. That's pre-diabetes right there. You know, if your body, um, is constantly seeing big swings in sugar. That's literally sludge. That's like having sludge in an engine, you know, and eventually the, the engine's going to break down and your body's the same way. Um, when you literally thicken your blood with excess sugar, um, you're going to have uh, fatigue. Um, you're going to have weight gain. You're going to have joint pain. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a disaster. So um, wearing that blood sugar monitor was extremely instructive for me because it told me which foods were particularly problematic and which ones were not. Hmm. Um, and, uh, it confirmed, you know, when I did 23andMe, that was one of the things it said is based on your genetics, you're more predisposed to have type 2 diabetes. You're more predisposed to be overweight, um, you know, based on uh, your genetics. And uh, that definitely tracks. When I uh, ate simple carbohydrates and sugars, uh, my blood sugars spiked much higher than they should have for a normal, healthy person. Um, so that told me over that couple month experiment that I am someone who 100% needs to be a little more careful with my diet and make sure that I'm on top of my game, exercising a little more and, um, you know, not, not going crazy on the sugars because my body yeah. can't tolerate it. And 100%, if I sit in this chair for the next 10 years and don't exercise very much and eat potato chips and cookies, I will develop uh, diabetes. It's just, you know, it's, it's inevitable. Um, you, and so, yeah, you made me think of what I was trying to say about the liver. I was trying to remember exactly what it was. So the correlation was carbohydrates with a high glycemic index cause fat to accumulate in the liver. And that's what causes, you know, fatty liver disease and a number of other issues. But by stabilizing your blood sugar levels, uh, you know, that's what suggests that it, re it reduces the, the risk of uh, uh, or risks that high glycemic foods pose. Um, and just lowering the risk of a fatty liver disease. And if you guys don't know what fatty liver disease is, it's bad news bears, man. Like George or Dustin said, it's it's like an engine with sludge. Eventually, things aren't going to go very well for you. So that's what I was trying to say earlier. I've, I've yeah, had a premonition in, into uh, Dustin's future. Should he do what he just said? <laughs> <laughs> That was in my private photo stash. How'd you find that photo of me? Come on, man. He used the app, right? The aging app. That's how it turned out. <laughs> That's and it's, it's not Chips Ahoy. It's Chips Ahoy. Did you see that? <laughs> it's from South Park. I think one of the greatest things, and I can't emphasize this enough, is that intermittent fasting, one, it teaches you to deal with hunger. Um, when you habitually That's can feel hungry and still just get past that, like kind of that hurting, that kind of, oh man, I would kill anything that I could eat right now. Like once you can learn to control that satiation, man, that you're, you're so able to keep track of your, of your diet. Like you're not going to impulse eat. You're, you're learning to control your impulsivity. Um, but one of the things that it also does is it closes that window of where you're eating. So like I'm only eating eight hours out of the day, I'm going to take in naturally less calories. And so one of the concepts a lot of people don't understand is that you have a caloric maintenance level and that's how many calories you take in a day. And so your caloric maintenance level, let's say for me, is like roughly around 2000. If I go over that consistently every day, I'm going to gain weight. But if I maintain at right at 2000 calories, I'll pretty much stay the same weight. 
Uh, I'm like if I'm exercising and doing things, I can possibly burn fat and put on lean muscle mass. But um, historically speaking, I want to be a couple hundred calories under my maintenance level, and then uh, walk 10,000 steps, do my exercise maybe three to four times a week, and I will see muscle gain, I will see fat loss, I will see improvements in my health, uh, both mentally and physically. And it, it, it's the the Intermittent fasting just helps so much with that. And there's a couple of tips that I want to give you guys. Uh, one, uh, calorie-free, um, you know, caffeine-free green tea or black coffee if you can stomach it. Um, those things satiate hunger as well. So, like, if you're in the middle of a fast and you you just you're just feeling like you're just going to break break the fast, and you're going to eat. Drink one of those two things, or chug a bunch of water. You know, those things that fill you up um, to try to, to to extend that. But um, yeah, for me personally, it's like 2000 calories. Just find your maintenance level. And then there's an app. It's called MyFitnessPal. And you can literally scan everything you eat. And when you start tracking your calories and the, the micronutrients that are co contained inside of those, those foods, you're going to be blown away at how bad some stuff is for you and how calorically dense they are. And so I would always recommend track your calories along with your sleep and everything, because then you're going to start getting the psychology of what foods are good for you and what aren't. And that's going to really help you advance in, in weight loss and just improved physical, um, you know, help. So. Yeah, absolutely. The present yeah. father's podcast sponsored by my fitness pal. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Brandon mentioned uh, one thing: water. Uh, if you're drinking water, drink lukewarm yeah. water. Uh, mm -hmm. Lukewarm yeah. water allows you to lose weight. Cold water is what allows you to retain fat. A lot of people what, don't wait, know that. Really? I haven't heard that. There was a recent study, and it is pretty profound. You need. I'm going to find it for you. Yes. Hold on. Yeah. No, I'd love to see that. Sardine. That's the opposite. Yeah. I've always, uh, what did I learn? Something like cold water, your body. Is I always thought the same thing until I read this and I was like, what? Cause I always thought cold, know, uh, your, your body has to lower the temp, burn yeah. more calories, but no, they said so. it, it retains fat. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I do. Okay. I do know that externally though, if you take, uh, like cooler showers and stuff, it activates like the brown fat in your chest and your back and stuff. Um, yeah. I've been doing that for, I don't know, eight years now, I'll like start it kind of warm and take a warm shower to get clean. And then I, I cool off for like a minute or two front and back with, with kind of cold takes a little getting used to, but there's a lot of research that I, you know, especially if you shower in the morning, it also makes you alert, wakes up mm -hmm. your, your mental state. But yeah. Okay. And I mean, if you start the morning, taking an ice cold shower, nothing can hurt you, right? That's a brutal way to start. So if your boss yells at you later that day, <laughs> This was not as bad as that cold shower this morning. You got Everyone hired in after Scandinavia that. just laughed at you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, cold. These, What's that? These soft Americans. You're, you're right, in Florida. Exactly. This Florida. Your cheeseburgers <laughs> and your, your cookies. It's 70 degrees outside. It's so cold. Uh, so, yeah, here it is. Uh, drinking warm water helps promote digestion and foods. Cold water, therefore, can store fat. Here, type the, were... uh, put the link in the chat, and I'll see if I can share it. Okay. Here's one of them. While you're working on that, I, f I found Justin doing his CrossFit. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. How do you know if uh, someone does CrossFit? Easy. They'll tell you within the first five minutes of meeting them. <laughs> which one? Which link? This is, a, this is another link I just sent. Uh, I'm 
trying to find another one. But anyways, just click on that one. You'll kind of see some of the the information. Um, it's from superfoodly.com. That doesn't exactly sound like the well, I mean, the Boston Journal of Medicine or whatever. Or, I can yeah. I can find that, but yeah. Anyway, well, to the point. Warm water does digest faster, and hydration definitely helps with the the process of metabolism and sure. and digestion. Yeah, I, I drink yeah. room temperature water. I don't drink ice cold water, and uh, you know, it's it it is definitely beneficial. Um, so it's yeah, kind of funny too. It's a very it's a very uh, Western world problem. So uh, yeah, when my colleagues from India come over for client visits and stuff, they'll be like, "Why do Americans drink?" Why do you put ice in your water? Why do you put mm. ice in your drinks? And I'm like, it's just uh, what people do here. It tastes better. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of funny because most of the world, I think, doesn't do that. So it's a very, it's a very uniquely mm. like you know American, Canadian, probably European. Maybe I, I don't know. Not not even all of Europe, probably. Yeah, not much of Europe. They're yeah. um, same thing. Yeah, Italy, Germany, all they don't. Uh, yeah. yeah so even their very, beer. It's is very warm. American thing. It's yeah. Kind of funny. I'm about to drink some warm German beer next week. That's going to be, I'm excited. That's going to be a very cool trip. Exactly. Oh, are you, yeah. <laughs> you're going to Germany? Yeah. Uh, oh, Oktoberfest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize uh, you guys leave. are going like all the way. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. We're going to do Neuschwanstein Castle. We're going to go see the Eagle's Nest, uh, do a couple nice. days at Oktoberfest um, and uh, spike my blood sugar, drink some yeah, beer. Yeah, I was going to say, remember beer is bad. Yes, that's right. Pretzels too. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. For sure. Awesome, so, man. Uh, so quick recap, and then uh, we'll announce our uh, special guest. Yes. So All right. It. Awesome. Um, so, you know, number one, um, the best exercise and the best workout you can do is the one that you will do, right? And that's different for everybody. Um, find what you love. You'll find something you love. If you try 100 different kinds of exercise, you don't like any of them, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. I 100% don't believe you. You'll find something you like. Um and a little bit is better than nothing. And a little bit every few days is better than a lot, you know, once a week. Um, if you're doing an intense, crazy workout once, you know, even twice a week, um, and then you're not doing anything the rest of the week, not, not great. You're much better off doing a little bit every day, doing as much as you can, um, sneaking it in, you know, sneak it in at work, um, you know, walk, take the stairs, ride a bike, um, you know, find a way to, to get active and, and do more of that. Um, exercise is a great, uh, you know, it's how you be a role model to your children. Um, when you go home and uh, crack a beer every night and watch football and, and are lazy, um, and then you tell your kids you need to go play soccer and, uh, you know, do that. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't believe you if I was your kid. <laughs> I would say, you're not doing it. Why should I? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's very important. Um, to uh to show your children um and lead by example you know that uh it's fun and it's great to to exercise and be healthy and and um george you mentioned a note about playing with your children how important it is when you get a chance to discuss with that but um you know I'll, i use my son as a dead weight i throw him up in the air you know and he's 40 pounds that's that's my rate that's resistance training right there right. it's great you know play with your children um run with them um you know they'll, they'll keep you active they'll keep you young um discipline is so key you know if uh if you don't have discipline in your life, uh, I 100% believe you will not be happy. You will not be effective. Um, discipline is something I know I personally struggle with. Um, I, I like to fly by the seat of my pants and, and just, you know, go do stuff. And, uh, you know, that um, that's not a source of, uh, of pride or, or happiness for me. You know, I think uh, when I do plan, when I have that discipline to um, execute a plan, uh, the satisfaction level is incredible. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything big. You know, it can be, I told myself I was going to take a cold shower, um, you know, three or four times this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I saw a cookie that looked absolutely delicious and I said no to it. Uh, those are great 
small little personal accomplishments that, um, you know, allow you to climb that mountain of fatherhood all the way to the top. What's up? I'm up yeah. here. <laughs> it, well, um, it, just to like encourage people on that one. So like, I honestly don't like, I've gotten to a point because I just for so long, haven't really like bought sweets or any of that kind of stuff. I, like, I don't even, like when I go to the store, I don't even like feel a need to buy it or, you know what I mean? And that I know to a lot of people that probably sounds insane. Like the only things I buy now are like, for my kid because she's a kid and wants sugar you know and like even then it's like sparingly but i i legitimately have zero issue going to the store and like not buying sugary things because i just it, it be, it's become a habit and i know that long term you know the uh the benefits outweigh the the little bit of loss i have of not having this thing in those moments and so that like see the big picture and you can do it it is worth sticking with it you know it it's just it's just a food item. It's going to be okay. There's there's a lot of other foods you can have. You know, I, I think investing is a lot like um, your fitness. You know, it, mm -hmm. it's all about long-term thinking. And most of us, you know, for better or worse, you know, our brains are not designed to think long-term. We're meant to think about mm -hmm. that next meal, you know, that next... Uh, that next, you know, woman we're going to find or, you know, whatever is, you know, on our, and so having these, uh, you know, long-term goals, 10, 20, 30 years is, is not how most of us think. Uh, and so, um, creating your nest egg and, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred million dollars when you uh, retire, if you don't have your health, you know, at the end nope. of the day, um, that health is wealth. That's, that's one of the most important, um, you know, things that, uh, as, as you look at people who are older, you know, 70 years old, they would give anything to have, you know, 10 more years, of good health. And, uh, I, I firmly believe that all of us, you know, will live well into our eighties, nineties, um, hopefully some visibly centenarians. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting changes in medicine that are going to allow us to not only live longer, but to live healthier because none of us want to be a hundred on a ventilator, you know, um, with, with very poor quality of life. But, uh, if you knew that you could have the same quality of life you have today, uh, or similar, you know, when you're 80, Absolutely. I, I would take that in a heartbeat. You know, I, I, I want to, you know, run around with my grandkids and my great grandkids. That's going to be an absolute blast. And that um, gives you the best chance of doing that and living the most fulfilling, exciting life that you can if, um, you know, if you stay healthy. Um, so you guys have any other key points you wanted to, uh, to cover? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so again, going back to James Clear's Atomic Habits, one of the things that I did was I made the hard things hard to access. Like, so let me explain that. So like, say, for example, cookies, uh, bad things that I know I'm just going to fall falter on as far as wanting to eat. Uh, I'll make them harder to access than pre-made meals that are healthy for me. Uh, and that's one of the things he discuss he discusses in the book is make it hard to access the things that are not good for you and make it easy to access the things that are. And so that's that's one tip I, I would it. give give dads. But um the reason why I think fitness and good sleep and just, just good self care um, is such a, a, a vital thing to have good discipline on is it allows you to keep up with your children and stay on this earth as long as you possibly can to mentor, to love, to support them, to protect them, all those things. Um, but, you know, also it, it's, it's so good for yourself too. Like you want to, like you were saying, you want a good quality of life and, that not just at 80, but now, like there's a lot of people that are living now that don't have good qualities of life because they just don't have the discipline to suffer a little bit, to, to delay um, that instant gratification. And that's why I think fasting is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest tools to practice that is you're mm -hmm. delaying self-gratification. Um, so if you can control that impulse, you, you're, you're golden. And so for me, yeah, 
that's that's the big thing but again um you know if if you're overweight or if you're just in a bad spot and you you want to use all these tips just remember see your doctor your primary care doctor get checked out make sure things that we we recommend are safe for you because the last thing we want is people to be hurt we want you guys to to grow and to um to, to flourish physically and mentally but but yeah so that's for me that's personally that's why i think it's so important to those three pillars um fall under a really hard good discipline yeah um, absolutely and so um you know talking about uh temptation um our uh special guest who is a personal hero is um someone whose books have uh been hugely influential on me um and i think in the um the marriage industry as a whole um you know in mm -hmm. his intro to his book um dr willard harley talks about how um, marriage counseling is the least effective form of counseling. Uh, you know, it just doesn't work by the time people decide I need counseling. It's, it's usually too late. There's something broken there already and it just doesn't work. And so, um, his whole goal was to find what was missing in that field and, and how to get it back. Um, and, uh, my personal hero now, Brandon, um, shot him a message and said, Hey, uh, Hey, you know, Dr. Harley, we, um, we really respect your work. Um, we'd love to speak with you. And, uh, his wife, uh, Joyce, who's absolutely lovely said, um, let's talk to you and see. And, uh, so Dr. Willard Harley, the, um, bestselling author of, uh, his needs, her needs, um, has agreed to uh, come and speak on the present father's podcast. And I cannot tell you how excited I am, uh, to speak with him. It's going to be an incredible opportunity and I can't wait to pick his brain. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. Um, he turned uh, the entire field of, of marriage therapy on its head. And, uh, you know, I would argue probably single handedly, um, you know, led to, you know, greater success in a lot of marriages. And, um, you know, he's saved marriages that, you know, were, were beyond saving. Um, and, uh, you know, I really want to, um, you know, it's not just for people who have terrible marriages, you know, I think, um, <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's also all of us can improve and, and have um, better marriages. And as fathers, I, I think the most important thing you can do for your children um, is to, uh, you know, is to stay married and to stay with your wife, to have that stability, you know, for your children, um, that everything is, uh, Absolutely. you know, it is, is comes from that. And so, um, I'm so excited to talk to Dr. Harley and, um, and pick his brain and, uh, get to, uh, get to know him. Yeah. That's happening October 5th, 6 PM central guys, uh, to add something uh, that I didn't get to say yet. Sugar is your worst enemy. Sugar causes cancer remember that and something that i heard a nutritionist say that stuck with me for a very long time salt can be sweat sweated out salt's not great for you but it could be sweated out sugar can't it gets stored and it stays with you forever unless you burn it out and even then your cell your cells still store some of it so stay the heck away from sugar um that's my best advice the the other piece was when i was trying to lose weight someone told me stay away from pastas stay away from cokes or colas and drink nothing but water or milk. And if you do drink milk, make sure it's in a bro protein shake, protein shake. And I like that. <laughs> um, and try to stick with protein or, you know, lean meats. Uh, that's my advice. Uh, also, side note, Aaron Judge just hit his 60th home run for the season. He just tied Babe Ruth. What? And he's coming for Roger Maris. That's crazy. Wow. So he's, he's getting it, man. That dude's. Here's a fun, interesting fact before I stop. He is six foot six and 283 pounds, and he does not look fat at all. I wonder why that is. A powerful man. Wow. That's a big boy. <laughs> so he accidentally hit a home run the other day. You got to look it up. I think it was his 57th home run. 
he hit one doing a, a, a swing that he stopped at the front of the plate and they were going to check his swing, but it, it went over the fence. Oh my God. What? I've never seen anything like it. Wow. Coolest thing I've crazy. ever seen in my life. Yeah. He checked his swing and stopped it and literally hit a home run. So yeah, that's the uh, size of the prize, baby. Just remember <laughs> that. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All righty. Uh, Brandon, any last thoughts? I'm good. Just excited to have Dr. Harley on and uh, really recommend everybody uh, just read the first four chapters of his book if you can at all, because that's that's going to be a a heavy topic. And, um, you know, it's just it's so important and so vital for our marriages. Again, like Dustin was saying, to, to model what relationships should be like, like healthy ones should be like for our children. Uh, because our daughters will go and marry how we model uh, with our wives and our, our sons will treat women how we treat our wives. And so your kids are always watching and they're super, super absorbative. And so you just got to be you got to be careful and intentional with your actions and how you treat other people and most especially your wife. And not only that, but Christ commands us to love our wives. So that's that's my my final yeah. So real quick, um, I'm going to give myself some homework here. Um, I'm going to make some notes on those first four chapters. So for those dads out there who um, don't have a chance to uh, read the book before uh, Dr. Harley comes and speaks with us, um, I'll give you some cliff notes and um, give you a chance to uh, get into the meat of it. Um, so you understand what he's talking about when he comes and speaks. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to close out. Dustin, thanks for uh, leading this episode on health and fitness. Uh, if you have questions or comments, hit us up in the comment section. Uh, or find us on Discord, Twitter, anywhere, just anywhere that is present fathers, uh, reach out, and uh, we're happy to kind of go back and forth with you on health and fitness. Again, this is just a couple dads with perspectives, so we're not doctors or any of that kind of stuff. If you're concerned about a medical issue, go seek medical professional help. Um, and then to recap, yeah, Dr. Harley, the, the very world famous, uh, he, I think his book has sold over 3 million copies. Um, We'll be coming on to the Present Fathers podcast on October 5th at 6 p.m. Central. That's 7 Eastern and uh, 4 Pacific for for those of you all over the place. Uh, We are super excited for that. And please um, let your friends know. uh, Share it. And that's going to be an amazing episode and, uh, you know, just really important topic that uh, we think is is worth your time. So uh, thank you for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we are going to roll our new outro video and, uh, we will see you on the fifth. We will not be here next week as many of us will be out of town and have a lot going on. So, um, take care everyone. God bless and have a great couple weeks. Thanks for watching this episode of the present father's podcast. Please be sure to like this video, subscribe to our channel and turn on notifications so you can know when we go live next. Also be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and our Discord channel. It's our desire to grow this fathership together and support dads out there. If you think this channel would be beneficial to someone you know, please share it with them. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.